0: Psalm chapter 18, verse 6. David says this. He says, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help, and from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I know a lot of times around the holidays, when you start getting around family, you start realizing some of the trouble and some of the problems, and maybe this week, because of that, you've cried out to God. Well, God wants you to know that. He's heard your voice, he's heard your cry, and he's going to answer in his time and in his way. So I'm going to give you just about 30 seconds. I want you to bow your head and I want you just to cry out to God and and, and give him your burdens and your stress and whatever trouble or struggles you've gone through this week, would you just give that to him? And then after this, I'm going to give you about 10 seconds or 20 seconds just to thank him for answering that prayer. So Go ahead and give him your stress right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you. As David said in Psalm 18, verse 6, that you've heard our voice, you've heard our cry, you've heard our stress our worries and our anxieties, and you've heard them. And Lord, now we're going to choose to activate our faith, and whether you've answered our prayer or not, in faith, believing, we're going to say thank you for answering that prayer before it's ever come about. So right now, for the next 20 seconds, would you just tell God thank you for answering that stress, answering that prayer, answering that worry. Activate your faith Believing, even though you don't see it, tell him thank you right now. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for answering that stress, answering that worry, answering that fear, whatever that concern is that we just brought before you that's been... Weighing us down, we lay it at your feet and we thank you by faith in advance that you've already heard it, you've already answered it. And God, we put it into your hands. And now we go into the rest of the service knowing that we are free from our burdens to hear from you so that we can be encouraged and lifted up. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. And I don't know who that was for this morning, but God wants you to know that. He hears your cry, he hears your prayer, and your stress, and he sees it. Well, we are uh, on week two of week two of hashtag for Lapel. This is part two for our awesome community and our awesome town. And I just want to encourage you: uh, we're continuing to love on the Lapel Food Mart or philip sixty six for the rest of this week. And I just want you to, you know, they have a Facebook page. You can go to their Facebook page and like it. Go to their Facebook page. Thank them for being a part of our community. I stopped in there. My wife stopped in there uh, on Friday, on Black Friday. And she went in and she bought herself uh, her fountain drink and bought our son a fountain drink. And Romy asked what was going on. So you're having an impact the employees want to know what's going on. Romy, who, who who runs the store, wants to know what's going on. And he asked Lynn, he says, is this the church? Is this the river? And she said, yeah, we just want you to know that we are for you. We're for this community, and we're glad you're a part of it. And so they're sitting up and taking notice, and I don't expect anybody to come forward. You want to remain uh, unknown, that's perfectly fine. Let's keep it that way. Someone bought Romy a $100 gift card and gave it to him, and he's just blown away and so, again, thank you for loving on our town. Thank you for loving on our community. So for the rest of this week, go into Phillips 66 and, uh, or share on their Facebook page that you're glad that they're a part of our community. Guys, can you continue to do that this week? Next Sunday, we'll tell you the next business that we're going to love on, and there'll be a video for that. I'm excited about that. We're going to love on the next business, and we're just going to keep this going for two years. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, though. If you have friends that don't attend the river, but they live in town, they live in Lapel, would you encourage them just to go? You don't have to attend the river to appreciate somebody in your community. And so if you have friends that live in, live in town, just have them go to Philip 66 and love on them, even though they don't attend the river. Tell them what the church is doing. Let's all get on board whether we attend the river or not. Can you, can you do that with your friends and tell them? Yeah, yeah, maybe? Yes? Some of you are like, I don't know. Okay, if you don't live in Lapel, and I know there's like half of you that don't live in Lapel, then let's do this. Wherever you're at, whether it's uh, Markleville, Pendleton, Anderson, Middletown, Chesterfield, Alexandria, Frankton, or Noblesville, or Fishers, or wherever the rest of you are from, just go love on the people around you. Can you do that? Can you pay it forward in Anderson, and pay it forward in Pendleton, and just love on your town? Can you do that? For us, would that be good? And just love on, let them know that you appreciate them for being a part of the community. All right, awesome. Uh, Also, in a couple of weeks, we are going to be making some changes in here, and I'm excited about that. I think aesthetically it's going to bring us together and and, and make us closer, and so I'm excited about that. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be making some of those changes, and so you can be looking forward to that. But there are always these people in our lives... That how do I say this nicely? There are those people in our lives. With Thanksgiving just happened, you've probably encountered people in your family. Does anybody have anybody in their family like this? Give me, give me. Uh, I don't care. Just pick one. Sheldon, right? The uh, the geeky guy that uh, is just kind of there, and he's super smart and he's funny, and yet at the same time, irritating, right? How about uh, the next person? The person in the family that just thinks everybody needs a hug and is excited and you love them, but man, is it time to go yet because I need to get away from this person, right? Or the next person. How many of you have somebody like this in your family, (laughs) right? Somebody in your family that you're like, uh, you know, this, over Thanksgiving, I went to my family, and then I went to my wife's family, and I started looking around, I'm like, is every family has Cousin Eddie somewhere? Cousin Eddie is in every family, and so I started looking around, and figured out, who is Cousin Eddie in our family? I couldn't find him, and I realized, I'm Cousin Eddie, and so, yeah, don't woohoo. I'm going to, I'll find you in a dark alley, right? And so I realize that I'm him. And so I embrace it, I adopt it, and there's nothing you can do about it, right? And so if I pull up in a rusted RV in your driveway, just know I'll take it with me when I leave in a month, right? Don't fall in love with it. And no, know you can't take me out someplace and leave me for dead if you haven't. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just know that everybody's got a person in the family that just rubs the wrong way, but gosh, you got to love them. Right? And I remember growing up in the holidays with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and the family always getting together. And it's kind of it's kind of funny that my dad should show up this morning and be here for this, but I remember getting together with my great grandparents and my grandparents and my aunt and uncle and my mom and dad and and my great uh, my grandpa my grandpa was the type of man that would drop a phrase or drop a word just to light the room up and let everybody go and then he would sit back and watch the room burn right and he enjoyed it and he would laugh and he would. And then he would just occasionally throw gas on the fire. Does anybody have anybody like that in your family? They just do it, whether it's politics or religion or, you know, government, whatever. They just bring it up just for kicks and giggles. Well, this was my grandpa. And now my great-grandpa had a temper. And so what my grandpa would do is he would mention something like the potholes aren't filled. And then my grandpa would go into this tirade about how the government's not doing its job, yada, yada, yada. Right, And he would sit back and he would laugh. And so he would just irritate him and rub him on purpose just, just to get a rise out of my great-grandpa. And it was a lot of fun. And I remember as a kid um, going home in the back of the car. And my mom would turn around and say, well, you know, don't ever repeat some of the things your great-grandpa said. Okay? You guys, you guys any, does that happen to anybody's family? Yeah, there are those people that spur us on that rub us the wrong way, and some of them are positive, some of them are negative, but always in my family with my grandpa and my great-grandpa, it was always done in love, it was always funny, my great-grandpa knew what was going on, my grandpa knew what was going on, and everybody was sitting back laughing, and they were just feeding off of of each other, nobody ever got mad at each other, it was just a good, fun time, and so he kind of, he in some ways would irritate or stimulate Aggressively stimulate the conversation. Um, and those people exist. Now, what I want to tell you is that you are supposed to be one of those people. Now, you don't have to be Cousin Eddie, you don't have to be my grandpa or my great grandpa, but you are, the Bible tells us, that you are to stimulate in somebody else the desire to reach out, the desire to. Love on somebody else. You are to encourage somebody else to reach out, to cause them to want to reach out and cause them to want to love their neighbor. You are to stimulate that in them. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, the writer of Hebrews says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day Approaching, And so the writer of Hebrews writes, and he says that you are to consider how you might spur one another on or, or, or stimulate one another on to love each other, to do good deeds, and do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The Greek word consider, he says consider. The Greek word here is kataneo. It's a compound Greek word, kata. Which means down, neo, which means to think. It actually carries the idea or paints the picture of someone who's thinking deeply about themselves. They're digging down into their motives. They're digging down into their thought life, and they're examining. They're looking in the mirror at themselves. And so, the writer of Hebrews says, "We ought to be examining our motives, our desires." And our thoughts. And we should be examining those around us. Why? Well, he says to spur. Now, I won't give you this big old Greek word. It simply means, depending on how it's used, it's either a negative to irritate or positive to stimulate. Think deeply about how you can, and in this verse it's used in a positive sense. So the writer of Hebrews says, think deeply about how you can stimulate or spur somebody on to show love and to show good works. It's our job as Christians to spur other individuals, other communities, other people to do good works and to love. It's our job. We ought to give serious thought, the writer says. We ought to think deep about this. We ought to consider this. What can I do to encourage my neighbor to love on somebody? That's what our job is. So that when we come together on a Sunday morning, we're like, "Hey, did you share some? Did you share the gospel with somebody? What, how how is your neighbor doing?" And we're talking to one another. We're spurring one another on. We're we are, in a lot of ways, encouraging each other to go out and love somebody else or to love that family member that's just irritable. Right? We are to encourage and to spur one another on. So what happens, I hope, this, I hope what I'm about ready to share with you gives you a whole new picture of what church is. Now, We like this thing called popcorn in my house. Anybody else have popcorn? Yeah. How many of you can smell it right now? You can smell it? Yeah. Yeah. Larry's like, yes! And we could never string our tree with popcorn growing up because (laughs) we'd start stringing the tree and stringing popcorn, you know, with the little needle. And half of it would be gone and then we wouldn't have enough to get around the tree because we'd eat it, right? Well, in microwave popcorn... I don't know if you know how this really works, but here's what happens. You put a bag of microwave popcorn in the microwave, and you turn it on, and magic happens, right? Something completely unedible, something that you can't use. I mean, it's not even good for planting. You can't even get corn out of that popcorn anymore. You can't even use it as seed. It, it's buttery. It's whatever. It's, it's ruined unless you're going to eat it right, and you put it in the microwave, and what happens? Pop, 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 pop. What's happening? The microwaves, the actual waves, are hitting the popcorn, and it's creating such friction And such irritation, or it's stimulating those kernels so much, it's constant, boom, 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 boom. It's hitting it with waves. Boom, 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 boom. Until suddenly, the yumminess and the goodness that's on the inside pops and comes out. And then what happens is because one pops, boom, it's a greater stimulation to the others. And so now they have the miniature waves, and now they have the larger popping that creates more waves, and then it goes, pop, and that's why a few seconds later, all of a sudden you hear pop, pop, and it begins to intensify, pop, 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 because now you have miniature waves hitting, and you have large waves hitting, you have the large repercussions of the popping happening, and so it begins to feed off of, it. the popcorn begins to feed off of itself, in, in a way, along with the microwaves, that now all of a sudden, you pull it out, and you're like, yeah, let's watch the movie now, I'm good to go, Right? That's exactly what church is. We come in and the Holy Spirit hits us. Boom, 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 boom. The invisible waves of the Holy Spirit begin to hit us. And then we begin to talk to one another and encourage one another and, and talk about each other's, you know, ask each other about each other's families and neighbors and so on. And the big kernels start popping so that what's inside of us, the Holy Spirit, comes out. And so that now church is one massive bag of microwave popcorn. Now, if you don't love church after that, I don't know how to get you to love church. We are one massive bag of microwave popcorn just feeding off of one another and popping and and, and the goodness that's inside of us coming out and saying, man, how did you love on somebody this week? When you meet somebody in the lobby, you you don't say, how was your week? You say, what's God done in your life? You don't say, how are you doing? You're saying, how have you loved somebody this week? I mean, if you want to be superficial and just have an average Sunday, then just ask how they're doing or ask how their week, week was. But if you want to make it real and deep and cause the inside of them to come out, then ask them what God's done. In them. Hey, how, what's God done in your life this week? Hey, how have you encouraged somebody this week? Now all of a sudden they got to think. Right now they got to consider. they got to think deep down. What did happen this week? Where did God move in my life this week? And we begin to pop together. We begin to work together. Right? He says, consider how we can spur or stimulate one another to grow so that what's been placed inside of us on the inside can come out. And he says, don't. Right? He says, and he talks about those who are not in the church or not attending church or not attending the gathering of of service. And he says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. The word giving up, it actually, it it actually, the writer tells us why people don't attend church in this. Now, you don't get it in the English, but you get it in the Greek. And it's three, you know, like two words put together as a compound word. Well, the writer uses three words and combines them. So this is like a super compound word. But he takes three words and combines them together. Out, down, behind. Out, down, and behind. So the writer tells us why people don't attend church. Or why they get out of the habit of attending church. They get out of it. The rhythm, of, the rhythm of life begins to happen, so they stop coming. What happens? They get down about it. They get down on themselves. I know I should be coming, but I just can't seem to get out of bed. I can't, I can't get to it. I can't, I can't get around to it. And so what happens? Well, then they start feeling left behind. They start feeling like they're behind. Well, once you're behind on something, if you're like me, sometimes you have a tendency just to give up on it. I quit. I'm done. I'm behind. I'm out of the race. I can't seem to get there and get to church. And so I just quit. I just give up. And so he says basically what he says in the Greek is he said the people who have stopped the habit of attending church is mostly because they're out of the habit of it. They're down on themselves and they've just given up because they don't think they can ever measure up. And you know, if that's ever happened to you, that's the case. I just I just can't keep up. I just can't get there. I just need to quit. I'm down. And he's, he tells us why with this one super compound word in the Greek. He says they're down, they're out, they're given up. They feel like they just can't get there, they can't do it, and so they're just not going to come. And this is why prior to this statement, he says we need to be getting together to spur one another on and, and to stimulate and encourage one another. And so if you know of somebody who is coming to church but is no longer attending church, This is exactly what's happening to them. I'm just, I just, you know, life has just gotten away, and the kids got games and whatever, and I just can't get there. And I'm just, and they're just down about it. They just, and what's he say? We need to surround them and say, come on, you can do this. I'm here with you to help you, to stimulate you, to to get you to, to move forward in that. Most people stop attending church because they feel down about themselves. They just can't measure up. They just can't get there. They just can't do it. What's the point? I just need to keep doing what I'm doing over here because I can't get over there. And so he tells us that. And yet the very thing they need is the very thing that they don't feel like they are up to. The very thing they need in their life to to get them moving again and get them into the flow spiritually and to get their life back on track and to get their relationship with Jesus back on track is the very thing that they're not engaged in. Look at First Peter. The apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. He tells us, he says, he's talking to the church. He's talking to us. He says, because you are a chosen people. Now, I want to stop right there. Anytime you're reading the Bible and it uses the word you, would you do me a favor? Would you put your name in there? But Larry is a chosen person. But Jesse is a chosen person. But Steve, but Brandon, but Brian, but Amy, but Donna is a chosen person. You, whether you think of it or not, are a royal, royalty and priestly. Whether you ever consider yourself that or not, God looks down and says, Not only are you a child of mine, which makes you royalty, but because you're you have a relationship with me, and you're loving on others, you are part of the priesthood. See, the word priest actually means bridge builder, one who bridges gaps. And because you bridge a gap between those who don't know Jesus and Jesus, he says, not only are you royalty, you're a priest. Think about that. You ever looked at yourself? Do you ever look in the mirror and go, I'm royalty and I'm a bridge builder. I connect people to God. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and said, I build bridges? When's the last time you looked in the mirror and said, I'm royalty? Because you, Drew, are a chosen person. You're a royal priesthood. And the body that you're a part of is a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Our job as Christians is to declare God's mercy. Our job is to declare God's mercy. Now, how many of you have ever declared something in your life? How many of you have ever yelled in your life? Let me see your hand. If you have kids, you better put your hand up. If you've ever had kids, you've yelled, all right? And so, you know, you... You've yelled. Now, I'm not saying you yell at your kids, but you've yelled, right? Everybody's yelled. Or let me tell you about something that happened in my life where my mom literally yelled at me. I was down the street at my friend's house playing basketball with my friend, and we were probably a good seven houses, six, seven houses down. And we're playing basketball. We're playing one-on-one or whatever we're doing. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice that faintly sounds like my mom. Ty! And then I heard my middle name. Edward! There you go, right? Tyson Edward! And I hear it echoing through the neighborhood. Now, you all know when mom uses your middle name, right? Some of you moms are looking at me like, mm hmm, they know. They don't want to admit it, but they know. When mom busts out your middle name and you're six or seven houses down, You better get your Derriere home stat, right? Like, you better get your rear end home yesterday. So I hear, Ty, Tyson Edward, get home. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I don't know how long she'd been yelling this, but it finally caught my attention. So, like any smart kid does, I turn to my friend and I say, you need, why don't you come with me? I don't know what she wants. Right? And so David comes with me. We jump on our skateboards, our long boards, whatever you want to call them. And we're like, and we're going down the street and we get to the back door. I walk in. My mom, no joke, is standing on top of the kitchen table with a broom. And I'm like, I didn't know if she wanted to whoop me so hard she was going to jump off the table and, like, boom, I had done something that bad, or something else was going on. Where well, it turns out something else was going on. There was a mouse in the dining room. It was like a scene out of a movie. I don't know how else to describe it. I, I didn't know what was going on. I walk in the house, and mom's up there, Tyson! And, like, David's with me, right? And I knew I had good backup because David ended up going to West Point and being, like, highly ranked in the Army. And so I knew I had good backup, like, for whatever was about to go down. And uh, so he's, she's like, there's a mouse. And eventually, long story short, basically, he um, got a towel, threw it over the mouse. I didn't bang it with a hammer or anything like that. Um, I just got it in the towel. And he was kind of drugged, so I don't know if he got into the decon or what. (laughs) He was moving slowly. Um, And so I wrapped him and threw him out in the field, and that was the end of that. But to declare, to declare means to yell out so that anybody within the sound of your voice can hear. And he says, I've made you royal. I've made you a priest. I've made you a bridge builder to bring people together. I've made you this so that. You can declare so that anybody that gets within earshot of you or anybody that gets within earshot of your life, of your marriage, of your parenting or anything can see my goodness in you. And then that stimulates them to want to be good. Now can we as a church say that we are stimulating others and spurring them on to be good? I believe so, yes. We are. Our tools today are called social media. And so you can declare on social media, hey, I was at Phillips, and, and we we're loving on them. Or in, two, uh, in a week, we're going to go to, I don't let the cat out of the bag, whatever. We're going to Myers Insurance, and we're just going to love on Myers Insurance Agency. You know, and we're just going to love on them and, and tell them thank you for being a part of our community. And so, you know, we're going to declare the goodness of God and the love of God, that God is for us. That God wants to be with us. So can everyone hear us declaring that God is for you? When people run into you, does your life declare, hey, God's for you? Does our church, when people come into this church service, or when people join one of our community groups, or when we're out helping the community, do people see that we are for Lapel and that is our message declaring to them? Within earshot, of everybody who hears it, reads about it, et cetera, says, we are for you. Are we declaring it? Or are we just kind of going about our business? I mean, are we out there about the love of God, or are we just keeping it to ourselves? Right? Are we keeping it to ourselves? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 25 through 27. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says this. So that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Paul tells the church at Corinth, and I don't have time to get into the church at Corinth other, other than to say, oh boy, I am sure glad we are not anything like that church. All kinds of problems and issues and divisiveness and gossip and slander and unhealthy, unhealthy intimate relationships with other people. It's just, it's a mess. And so Paul writes this letter to them. He goes, guys, stop the factions. You're one body. Everybody has a different part to play, but you're all one. And so when one part of the body hurts, right, if you get poked in the eye, watch your hands do? Ah, Comes up to protect the eye from anything else. Right? We're all one body. We work together. So each of us have a part to play. Everybody has a part to play in this body. And I and I kept thinking, man, how do I how do I how do I explain this? You guys know it. But how do I explain this? So do what I do. Uh, take, give me like. Two and a half minutes of your time and watch this movie clip. Anyone know what
1: happens to a stagnant cell? What's he doing on the table? I don't know, something about cells. Malia? It's not good.
0: Did
1: you hear that? It ain't good. People. A cell that is not in motion is not a productive member of the system. It ends up assuming all the other cells are going to pick up the slack somewhere. But they don't. In fact, they imitate the stray cell until basically the whole organism begins to die. Yeah. But you know what? Biology is an amazing thing. And here's the good news. All that decays can be restored. It's just hitting anybody.
0: Like how a cut heals.
1: Like how a cut heals, Brian, my man.
0: Uh Ah, look, you got one.
1: (laughs) And once that cell is back on track, it creates energy amongst the other cells. That's what happens. It starts getting a little movement going. It gets a little rumble. Can I get a little rumble from everybody? Everybody just rumble in your seats right now for me. Just rumble a little bit. Okay, no rumble, that's fine. I'll be the lone rumbler up here. That's what I am. I'm a lone rumbler. But then the cell starts banging into the other cells. And the cells push back and go, hey, what are you doing to me? They hit him to another one. Hey, don't do that. Hey, that's my friend. You don't even know him. You don't know me either. I know you. We work together. Because then they hit a rhythm all hit a rhythm and this is the beginning of the restorative process so now even if the entire system is close to dead what happens martinez come on give me something oh no not today oh no not in my house no 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 look out here we come don't look up my pant leg, derek you're better than that
0: I'm right over you
1: come on man what do you say if all the cells work together what will happen entire system
0: is healed exactly
1: that is a sick dragon
0: right when all the cells start working together the system heals itself it's true not only in your body it's true as a church and as a community, that when we all start coming together, right, and we all get in the rhythm, all right, I'm not Kevin James, so I'm not going to try to do it, okay, but we all get into a rhythm together and work together, we can bring healing to a community. We can bring healing to our neighbors and to our friends. When the body works together, the entire system is healed. That was Jesus' plan from the start, that the church called, in the Bible, the church is called the body of Christ. And if everybody in the church is playing their part, the body begins not only to heal itself, but the things around it. Psalm, chapter 133, verse 2. King David says, a song of ascents of David Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard over the collar of his robes. Now, before I talk about Aaron, and, and Aaron was Moses' brother. Aaron was the first priest in the line of priests for the nation of Israel. He was the first, okay? But before I talk about Aaron, I need to talk about the oil, Right? Oil, now, again, keep in mind, this is David. Now, David is king, but what was David before he was king? He was a shepherd, took care of sheep. And he uses a tool that shepherds used, oil. Oil would be poured over the head of sheep. They would pour it over sheep's head. And and shepherds still do this today. You can still do this, although we have... um, better technology and methods, but you would, you could still do this today. They would pour oil uh, in, their, in that region, specifically olive oil, over the head of a sheep. They would drench the sheep's head in oil. Now, why would they do that? Well, a sheep left unattended with no protection. I don't want to be gross, but flies will go in, lay eggs, maggots up into the nostrils, up into the brain, Uh, Other insects will make nests in the sheep's forehead and, and, and the young, when they hatch from their egg, will actually feed on the sheep's brain. And so what happens in the sheep will begin to, because the pain is so intense from the insects feeding on its brain the sheep will find a tree or a rock and start beating its head against the rock or beating its head against the tree and kill itself because the pain is so intense. And so in order to prevent insects from going into the nostrils or the mouth or the ears of a sheep, they would drench it in oil so that the fly or the insects or whatever could not stay on the sheep's head, it would leave. The oil was, in a sense, protection. It was protection for the sheep. Well, what does that have to do with, you're like Tyson, you just took a hard right and left us. Well, not necessarily. You see, in Luke chapter 4, verse 12, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus says that he is the anointed one of God. And what's he anointed with? The Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, 1 John 2, verse 20, it says that you and I have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. When they would put the oil on a sheep's head, you know what they called it? The anointing. Anoint it. And they would drape the sheep's head and protect it and Jesus says I am now anointed with the holy spirit and over and over again in scripture we see that the holy spirit is symbolized in scripture by oil and the whole and there's all kinds of hundreds of analogies you can draw out of this all I simply want to say is that when David says it's like unity and cohesiveness and harmony oil comes And it flows over Aaron's head and down his beard and down his clothes and down his body. It's simply to say this, that if we expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in lapel, then we got to be in unity and work together for the same causes. Then, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes when there's unity. Unity. Not division. Not, okay, you go love them, and then I'll go over here and do this, and I'll go do this. But when we're all working in unity, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes as a protection for the church. One last analogy, one last example. Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving, and what happens at Thanksgiving? Well, one person brings the green bean casserole, and one person brings the mashed potatoes, and one person brings the turkey, and one person. And what happens, you get in the kitchen, you all start to work together so that what? So that you can enjoy the feast. The reason that we work together is so that we can enjoy the goodness and presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit says, unless you're unified and working together, it's really hard for the Holy Spirit to come down and do its work. Or do his work. It's really, really hard. And so in closing, I want you to think about. And I've said a lot about, about hashtag for lapel. I've said a lot about working together in unity and declaring the love of God. But I guess if I could just kind of boil it down to to three things. In closing, if I just boil this down, two things. Two things that you and I do, one thing God does. The first thing that you and I do is we have to encourage one another. We have to spur one another on. We have to think deeply about how can I encourage my person sitting next to me to love. So look at the person to your right and say, I'm going to encourage you. Go ahead, come on. I'm going to encourage you. Now turn to your person on your left and say, I'm gonna hold you to it. All right. Now you don't know it, but you just got an accountability partner. All right? To spur one another on in love and in good deeds. We have to do that, number one. Number two, we have to unite. And I'm thankful that this church division, strife, gossip doesn't happen. Right? You can ask Lynn, I just, drama doesn't work with me. I'm not, I don't do drama. Maybe that's, and maybe that has spread in this church. I don't know. But number two, we have to unite and stay united and continue moving forward together. United for LaPel, for, I don't care, you can call it for Madison County. We have to unite and be the royal bridge builders that God says we are. That's our job. And remember, I said three things, right? One, we encourage one another. Not how are you doing? How was your week? It's what's God doing in your life? Did you tell somebody God loves them this week? And then secondly, we unite together for a cause. Because the Bible says that when we do that, the Holy Spirit starts showing up. The Holy Spirit starts working in ways that we can't fathom. And so if we really want the Holy Spirit to work in our community and work in this church and work in our lives, we unite to spread God's love. You know, it's kind of funny because what I didn't tell you about the story about Romy and asking him asking what's going on, this has never happened before. I stopped at a four-way stop between here and Anderson. And he looks at me and goes, why? He's, he and his business, they're experiencing the love of God. And when we love on people the way God loves on us, it affects and brings change. Never stop loving on people. Spur others on. If you know somebody that's not in church, and they should be, you need to go love on them like there's no tomorrow. Why? Because the writer of Hebrews says, the reason they're not here is they're down on themselves. They're out. Will you stand with me this morning? And I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to, in groups of two or three or or so, if you would gather together in groups of two or three, maybe it's just you and your spouse or person sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. I want you to do this. Would you just pray for them? And maybe you're like, "Oh man, I don't pray out loud." Just pray a simple prayer. God help them to encourage someone this week. That's it. That's all you got to say. God help them to show your love this week. And then pray that over the other person. That's, I just gave you a prayer. Now, you don't have to pray that if you're used to praying out loud, but would you do that for me as the band gets ready to sing and close out in song? You guys go ahead. Would you just grab hands and just pray for them to be an encouragement to somebody this week?